Welcome to Trendwatch, Innovate by Day's social media podcast, where we talk about the latest in digital communication and events. Welcome to another edition of Innovate by Day's Trendwatch podcast. Today we're going to talk about kids on social media, the pressure to conform, to post the perfect picture, to comment and respond in just the right way. Is this just the latest in the online version of Mean Girls? Are our kids suffering from this intense pressure? Is our use of social media as adults providing a positive or negative influence on our kids? And are they the only ones succumbing to FOMO? Before we do anything else, though, let's introduce ourselves. I'm James. I'm your de facto podcast host every time we post. And I meant for that to rhyme. I'm Sarah. I'm a digital and social media manager at Innovate by Day. I'm Anjali. I'm a digital and social media manager at Innovate by Day as well. And I'm Chloe, and I do the same thing as James, Sarah, and Anjali. Ooh, it's actually a digital and social media specialist edition. It is all, all, yeah, it's like a host full, right? It's it's all digital and social media specialists today. No designers, no bosses. It's just the the kids in the trenches. And dear, it's a a biased podcast, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a good one for this one. We can do anything. (gasps) This week, we're going to go back to our usual... uh, our usual MO of uh, rounding up some of the apps that we're loving these days. Who wants to go first? I can start. My favorite app currently is a game called Cross Me. It's an app for nonograms. For those of you who don't know, a nonogram is a kind of little like mathy number puzzle game. Cross Me is a really good one if you like nonograms. And if you don't know what nonograms are, I highly recommend them. It's a really fun, simple game. It's a lot of fun. I got my hands on a copy of Sims 4 this uh, week, and it was terrible for everything in my life. Uh, But I'm really impressed by how much Sims has advanced since I started playing SimCity when I was, like, three or four, with my dad's, like, very old, very first PC. And, like, the whole idea that that's a thing now, and it's all 3D, and there's so much more to it, is just, it's really cool to see technology advance. I'd say my favorite app has been for a while and uh, continues to be Snapchat. I just enjoy it so much. I get to send my friends quick, funny little pictures and videos. For me, uh, last week uh, we were uh, we were having a discussion about uh, my child who's in an extended French program at school for the first time. She's in grade seven. And, uh, and so she's learning in French every day. And, and it's been a tough curve for her to learn this stuff. And four people in the room immediately piped up, does she have Duolingo? I said, what? So the, uh, the team here clued me to uh, Duolingo, which is an amazing, fun learning app. That's, it, it basically turns, uh, turns learning another language into a game, and uh, we're both having a ball with it at home. So highly recommended if you want to work on, your, uh, work on your French, work on your vocab, bring it back. If you, were, uh, if you, you know, left it behind in high school all those years ago like me, uh, way, way fun way to uh, practice language skills. So check it out. Okay. This week, CBC Toronto's Metro Morning and NPR's This American Life have both weighed in on this, and we thought it was important to take advantage of the variety of perspectives here in our office. So the first thing that we were going to talk about is um, what they're calling Finstagram. Now, of course, the uh, the opposite of a Finstagram would be a Rinstagram or a real Instagram. 
This is the, the sort of thing that we're talking about now. This is the difference between a Finstagram, which is your fake account, and your Rinstagram, which is ostensibly the face that you're showing to the world. So uh, for the bulk of the, this podcast, we'll probably refer to them as uh, Finsta and Rinsta. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Anybody have, does anybody have extra accounts lying around? I've considered it for multitudes of reasons. Um, I mean, I preach it when I'm talking on the kids' shows and I'm teaching our youth talent how to use social media. I said that's the easiest way to guarantee that you can have a public persona, but you can also have a private life. And so, I mean, and there's been times I've been thinking, I want to post certain things, and, and there are certain people I want to see in my public life see that. And there are other people who maybe I'm trying to set a better example for or trying to present a certain image, and I don't want them to see, you know, my Thirsty Thursday pictures, which is just me posting pretty pictures of alcohol versus actually drinking it. So these are things that yeah. are that are important if you're a preteen TV star, right? Or if you're a professional social media manager, but right? Should the average kid in you know grade eight or nine really have to have a public persona and a private one? Like, how important is it that they craft this public persona? Isn't that the problem? I think the concept that these preteens feel the need to have a public and a personal life is very worrying. The idea that they can't be themselves among their peers is kind of scary, to be honest, because if if we're teaching our preteens that, hey, you can't even be yourself to your classmates, Mm -hmm. then we're teaching a generation of kids that they need to be so, so private about who they are. And I think that really is going to hurt the way we connect with people, both online and offline. Well, I think it also means they're not necessarily learning what's appropriate to post online and what's not appropriate to post Mm -hmm. online. I mean, a big stopper for me in any capacity beyond you're a TV star and you need your own private life is you should know what's okay to post online and what isn't so that you aren't that kid who in 20 years wants to run for office and is getting your 14-year-old tweets dragged through the mud, which has happened in the recent election. I, I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like it's wrong that, that we... And maybe we're teaching our kids this. Maybe this is the problem. Maybe what uh, maybe what we're doing as adults in the way that we interact with social media is coloring the way that our kids and our nieces and nephews and, and whatnot are learning to interact with with the social so if what we're doing is posting only the best stuff and if we're and if we're being very very judicious about making sure that we post the perfect selfie or that we only post the really really good things and we never share the negative things and that we're we're creating sort of a, a false idea of what our lives are like are we teaching them to do that is are they getting it from us i think we need to sit down and have a conversation with these kids about like the difference between, oh, I want to represent myself in a good way online and I want my life to seem perfect online. Because I absolutely understand and agree that you should think about what you're posting and, you know, try to represent yourself in the best way online. But I think it's pretty easy to take that leap from, oh, I only want to share what accurately represents me and not, you know, something stupid, to... I need to have this 
persona online. Well, what I think is really interesting about the whole concept of Finsta versus Rinsta, it's nice that these kids or whoever is creating their public account, they have an outlet where it's not their personal representation, so it might not actually affect them in the future. So it might not even be an issue. So jumping to the conclusion that it's a, it's worrying for children to be making these fake accounts, I, it might not actually be. I mean, I've thought about it. I know people who have made these accounts, whether they want to be sharing um, photos of clothing that they have or lipstick or makeup. If they want a certain public account that can gain international fame or fandom, I mean, why not? And if they are learning it from us, I think that incredible. I mean, I think creating an account for a specific purpose, like, you know, a, an account dedicated to hair or makeup or, you know, a show, mm -hmm. whatever, that's, I mean, I think that's great because that's taking something they're passionate about and creating something dedicated to that passion. But when it's creating a an account, like a personal account for themselves, that's pretending to be a personal account as a public account, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then having an actual personal account where they post stuff where they're, you know, being silly and having fun that may not be the most flattering photo, so they don't want anyone to see it except for maybe the friends that were there. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's where I get nervous. That's and it, true. And it's, it's a slippery slope. I think that's I think that's what we were finding. We were when we were seeing all these articles come out was there's a really, really fine line, and it's in the sand, so it's blurry, and it's all of those, like, terrible metaphors, but it's just such a fine, thin line between the two. Yeah. And what's healthy for one person may not be good for another. That's so true. It's really hard to make that distinction. Mm -hmm. I think for me as a parent, thinking about it as, as uh, it bothers me that, that my kid might feel the need to have a to have a Finsta that, that she can't that she can't post authentically in her public account for fear and, and I think it's about fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's what what the Finstas seem to be that we're so that, that the kids get so caught up in having to be perfect and putting out an image that nobody can diss, nobody can nobody can mess with you, nobody can insult you about it because you have you've curated that image of yourself. Um and that it's all about sort of being the most the most perfect and garnering all those likes and you know I'm hearing stories about kids that are that they run their photo choices through the friends on the Finsta or their friend or their friends by via text message and then the friends help them choose what's the best one to put out there and that everything has to be sort of vetted privately before it can go on that outside page and it seems kind of kind of awful that uh, that our kids feel the need to be so in control of their image right away. So we're going to go on. One of the things that uh, that's also coming up when we talk about this is FOMO, this fear of missing out. And we seem to have cultivated a culture where everybody knows what everybody did on the weekend and and our and our kids are the same way, you know, if if they're posting uh, you know cool Instagram pics from the party that they were at, it almost immediately becomes bragging. Mm -hmm. I guess that that it's like that if these five girls were at this cool this cool party and they did this cool thing on the weekend and they plastered it all over their real their Instagram accounts, <laughs> um, 
and they're, and they're doing that, then everybody else in their social circle gets to suffer FOMO. Mm-hmm. That they're all going, oh, why wasn't I there? Why wasn't I invited? Was I not cool enough to be invited? How come, how come she posted that picture of just three of them when there were four of us there? Mm-hmm. You know, so even if they were invited, they can, they can have that, that, that FOMO and that fear of judgment that how come, how come you posted a picture that I wasn't in? Um, and are, are we creating, are, are we, is, is FOMO creating, uh, you know, even more angst for these kids? I honestly don't think that much has changed uh, since I was in high school. I am a millennial, but Facebook was just coming out when I was in my early high school days, and I would see older kids having parties, and it it created somewhat of a social hierarchy where I did have that major FOMO. We just didn't have a hashtag for it yet, but um, I definitely think that it does create FOMO, Instagram, if whether it's on Facebook or Instagram, Instagram seems to be the platform that younger people are engaging on um, and using. But I I don't think that FOMO is a new trend. It's been around and whatever the medium or platform, it will continue on because it's just part of being a person. I mean, it's human nature to worried about being judged um yeah I definitely think it it is perpetuated online uh and Instagrams do take part in that but yeah I think like you were saying FOMO has always been a thing that people experience I mean even before social media oh yeah you come you know to work on Monday and a bunch of people from work talking about how they went out for drinks on Friday and you weren't invited there's some FOMO regardless of whether it appeared on the internet or not. I think the internet just makes it more immediate and I think it makes it uh, longer lasting because, you know, before when your coworkers went out for drinks without you, they had the conversation in the lunchroom. You were maybe sad about it that afternoon and you probably forgot about it before too long. But then with the internet, it's like people tweet about it while they're doing it and then the next day they upload pictures and then you know someone posts a tbt of that (laughs) night and i think you can just keep going and going which makes it i think a little bit harder to cope with than maybe it used to be but i think it's always been a thing that bothers us what i think even more than the long lasting effect is that i'm seeing a lot of people talk about fomo for things they couldn't possibly be involved in Mm. so like before because I've been in the television industry for 10 years now through various internships, etc. I, you know, people were like, oh, I'm jealous that you got to go to this taping or do this thing or you can see what it looks like behind a camera, right? But now it's almost like people saying, oh, I, I have FOMO against Kylie Jenner for living the Kardashian lifestyle. And it's like, okay, hold on. So now we have, like, you might have had, like, some very mild jealousy towards a celebrity in the past that they, you know, were famous and you were not. But now it's like, that's where we're coming to. We're coming to the fact that you have fear of missing out of something that is just a totally different life than yours. And we talked about last week with crisis FOMO. And it's sort of people are missing out, feeling like they might miss out on engaging in their own story within a crisis situation that might have nothing to do with them. It's just, it becomes beyond that little, you know, lunchroom conversation or in the classroom or on Facebook or on Instagram. It's this now worldwide thing. I think it's just a widened net at this point. So if you take the FOMO that you guys feel as 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 millennials mm-hmm. or that, you know, that the Gen Yers might feel or God forbid Gen Xers such as myself who are 
old and still suffer from FOMO. Imagine what a 12 or 13 or 14 year old is going through, you know, and the pressure to be part of that in crowd. And, and I mean, it's, it's gotta be terrible, but I, I, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how to, how to help them through it. And, and I'm a parent. I have a, I have a 12 year old who's at home, you know, possibly suffering from FOMO or maybe just indulging in hours and hours of Minecraft when I'm not looking. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But I, I think one of the conversations that I try to have with her is that we can't we can't spend all our time comparing ourselves to what other people are doing, and we also can't sort of, you know, it's it's fine to post pictures of the cool thing you did this weekend. That's that's awesome, mm-hmm. but you know, let's let's not make it about excluding other people. Let's make you know make sure that you're. You know that when when you're talking about this stuff, that you're talking about it with with an an attitude of gratitude and not kind of hey look what I did this weekend how cool am I and how cool are you not? Um, well, I yeah. think really, I mean, you're on the right track. Having an open dialogue is really what's going to help preteens in that situation because I mean this kind of FOMO is new. So well, when I grew up. There was a lot of conversation about, you know, don't compare yourself to celebrities or supermodels or all that kind of feel good, whatever. Now I think it needs to include don't compare yourself to people on social media. And I think that needs to be a really big conversation where we constantly tell the people around us and tell our kids and teens and preteens that you can't always compare your life to the life of people online. Well, because you don't know what is real and what's just their yeah. representation, going back to the whole Instagram versus Finstagram. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Is you ha- that I think the biggest tool you can give anyone that's, I would say, a preteen is remember how much so- like thought you put into taking that picture and then posting it online. The other person put in that much thought and then plus 10. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, so, you know, maybe they went to the Royal Winter Fair and they have a picture of them, like, really close to the horse. Think about the amount of steps between them going to the event and the horse picture and know that, the, you know, the whole event was not, probably not that cool, but they picked the best moment out of it to prove they were doing something. Or Well, and when they're looking at, at celebrities as, oh, yeah. as Instagram stars as well, I mean... Uh, we we've talked a lot about Taylor Swift in our in our office recently. We we use we use her uh, we use her uh, use of social channels as something to aspire to for for some of our clients because she's so good at what she does. But part of what makes her Instagram feed so amazing is that it's highly curated. I mean, it is it is loaded with professional photography, uh, professional behind the scenes photography of the, of the tour, you know, and the occasional thing that she's snapped herself on her, mm-hmm. on her phone. But you know that the thing that she snapped herself on her phone, she probably spent as much time as, as you did, you know, doing, doing your own thing. And she's got a team of people behind her to, to help her make it look And all amazing. of her stuff is FOMO. All of her stuff is, look, what happened in the concert last night that you weren't at? Yeah. And yet, and yet, when it's a celebrity doing it, it sort of opens a door to a world that we're never going to see, so we oh, yeah. so we can appreciate it. So, so I, I mean, we shouldn't be suffering FOMO because we weren't backstage at the Taylor Swift concert. We should be going, well, this is really cool that I get to see what happened backstage at the Taylor Swift concert. Mm-hmm. The same same reason, you know, in 19, 1984, I bought the uh, the tour book that that came out after David Bowie's Serious Moonlight tour. And and that gave me an inside look at, at at the workings of a of a huge rock tour, and that was really really cool for me as a young you know singer musician that 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 was a you know a world I aspired to being a part of, and and I got to see inside it. But see now, someone like if 
you had the technology we have now back then, you would have taken a picture of that, put it on Instagram and made everyone else jealous and have FOMO. So it's almost really more about how we react to it than anything. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point. Uh, a lot of FOMO is kind of recognizing within yourself, am I, you know, feeling like I'm missing out because I didn't participate in this? Or is it just like, oh, that would have been cool, or oh, I wish I'd gone to that party. I think it's really when you start feeling like, oh, am I missing out? It's good to think about like, oh, well, here are all these other things that I'm doing and all the other friends that I have. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's something we also need to teach young preteens to do, like really integrate that into their day-to-day understanding of how social media works. You had a really good sentence about grateful, and I had it in my brain. Gratitude. Attitude of gratitude. The other point that we wanted to look at, and I, I, I wrote a little crazy for it because I'm like that, otherwise I will stumble over my words. One of the teenage girls that was on that um, This American Life podcast with Ira Glass, um, she referred to herself, and I, I, I heard this and I went, What? You're, you're in grade nine. She said, well, I'm a brand. She's 14. So let's have a listen to this clip from uh, This American Life. I had to say, like, oh, my God, this is such a job. Yeah. It's, it's like I'm a, so, like, I, I'm, I'm a brand, and I am, like, You're trying to promote brand. yourself. I'm the director. The pr- I'm, yeah. And you're the product. And you're I'm definitely the... trying to promote yourself. To yeah. stay relevant, you have to, you have to, you have to work hard. Relevance is a big term right now. Yeah. Do we become a brand the minute we sign up for social media? Like, do we do we really, really have to be concerned about how we brand ourselves as a teenager? I am so torn about this, and I've been thinking about it on and off. And my feeling is, you don't have to just... So there's two parts of the brand story for me. The one is what your brand is. So my brand is that I like social media, and I'm into fandom, and that's gotten me jobs. And that was my brand from university on online. Was That was my thing. It was social media gal... And, like, all of my socials always said that. And that I'm into community management. Because I am. But, I've and I've said to my cousin recently, who's 18, I feel like you also have to, if you start, have an inkling of what you want to do with the rest of your life in some major capacity, not like a narrow field, start making that about you online. For a 14-year-old, I honestly say, if you're keeping it clean, if you're keeping yourself polite and interesting in some capacity, so pick a little interest, so Minecraft. Or filling out makeup, yeah, filling out makeup and lipstick, whatever it is, you don't have to be a brand, but you do have to be positive online in some capacity, and be conscious of the representation that you're yes. putting outward. So I mean, I don't totally disagree with this fourteen-year-old calling herself a brand. I think it's a little scary that she used the term brand instead of say personality or persona or person online. But I don't disagree with what she's where she's coming from. Okay. I think a part of it is, in the grand scheme of things, internet and social media is still very new, and mm-hmm. we're still learning how to figure it out. And so when I was a teenager, having a presence on the internet was very much something people with a brand did. And so that's what, you know, I think our culture has kind of come to see having a a presence on the internet is being is having a brand whereas now in reality having a presence on the internet is just being an average person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think we're still kind of learning to navigate having you know a presence on the internet and being a person who exists in the 21st century 
if you are a public figure or if you're aspiring to public life in one way or another, if you want to, if you want to be an actor, a musician, uh, a writer, a journalist, you want to be any of these things, then you, you do have to you do have to cultivate a brand online. Mm-hmm. It, it's entirely possible to go through life in 2015 and not be online. Not, oh, yeah. not not have Facebook, not be on Twitter, not be on Instagram. It's I would entirely possible with for people that. to do that. It's hard. I don't know I if think... you could actually. I know people who have gotten turned down for jobs because they haven't like people can't find them online. I mean, if you don't exist in some capacity on the internet, even if it's an email address, I Which think, I yeah, think, I think, I think it's, a, I think, again, it's, I think it's a very tricky, like, my mom has absolutely no social media, but has an email address, knows how to use all the platforms because my brother and my father and I all have them, but she knows if she got a Facebook account, she would never get off Facebook. She is bad enough without having a login, that she does not need the extra step. <laughs> she has said this very verbally. I also think it's actually a little bit different for your generation, for example. You are established within your career. You have professional contacts. You're well-known. Whereas someone of my age, I think, kind of needs to rely and navigate the internet in order to be seen as a professional with contacts. I cannot tell you the number of times I have had people say, even for interns, like I had a job where the only thing you were supposed to do to get to apply for the job, no resumes. You had to send us through email your Twitter page and your Facebook and your Tumblr. And that was it. And I was super opposed. I was the one doing the interviewing. I was crazy opposed to the idea. But it did turn up an interesting person in the end. But I like took my boss to the mat on it, my old job. I said, I think this is terrible that you are saying you're only being judged on what you've put online. I think the the other issue with that is that that sometimes our social media presence is meant to be like a Instagram is mm-hmm. meant to be private is meant for a, a particular audience or is meant for an audience of your friends i mean you know facebook mm-hmm. doesn't have to be public facing facebook can be just for your friends or your you know your 1000 closest friends or 5000 closest yeah. whatever whatever that is i think it goes back to what sarah was saying i think we have to as a society adjust to social media as as a new thing and say are you a brand or are you a human and what does that mean and what does that mean to all the things around you to job contacts to being 14 years old on instagram to everything is that what is that now that we've taken our step back i'd say that as new social networks erupt and kind of find their way in the social space. We see which ones are meant for your brand, which ones are meant for your personal interactions with your friends, and which ones you want to choose to have as your brand or for your personal usage. So you'll see LinkedIn, that is 100% for your online brand. You can apply for jobs just by clicking apply through your LinkedIn profile. Everything is on there. Meanwhile, Facebook, I would say that's much more personal. Oh yeah. Most people's uh, privacy options are pretty restricted. Yeah. Yeah. And then Instagram, it's that weird one where you can choose do you want this to be my brand or do you want this to be more personal? Maybe I'll make it private. I really loved the uh, one of the things that I did in in preparation for this was to go and do a little Instagram creeping of, of people that I know to kind of go, okay, well, how are. How are my friends using Instagram? How are their kids using Instagram? How's my kid using Instagram? And 
most of the most of the profiles that I went to were locked down tight. If I wasn't already friends with them, I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's actually kind of smart, especially with our our teenage kids. It's like make it so that you're you're locked down and people have to request to follow you and you have a, and you have a chance to sort of vet them before they become privy to stuff that's going on in your world. It's funny because while you were doing that, I was shutting down three fake accounts for one of our child actors that were supposed to be private uh, Finsta accounts. So I had to go check with both people, the mother and the daughter, and be like, so are these real or not? And it turned out it was someone pretending to be a Finsta account. Nice. So that's a whole new level for me. Well, I, uh, once again, I think we've, uh, we've managed to, uh, to ask more questions than we've been able to answer, which, <laughs> which is kind of the way that it goes in our world. I mean, we, we, we spend a lot of time looking at, looking at uh, interactions online and trying to figure out the, the best ways for people to present themselves. And there, are things that are, there are things that are great about the way that, that, uh, that our kids are using social media, and there are things that are disturbing and terrifying, and the, the, the chances... Uh, the opportunities for for bullying online are are great. The uh, the desire to be uh, to be liked and to be shown how much you're liked and the 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 uh, your chances of being upset by your 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 friends' responses are as bad as they ever were, just quicker and more out there. Thank you all for uh, for participating again today. I know it's it's hard for us all to to uh, to sequester ourselves in a room <laughs> for half an hour and and talk about our jobs. Let's thank you all. For Thanks everyone for tuning in to Trend Watch, Innovate by Day's social media podcast. Visit us online at innovatebyday.ca, on Twitter at innovatebyday, and like us on Facebook.